Be fuck. Live, I'm not fucking well, well, I'm fucking live now, so tweet brand it. Thing is. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Well, that was confusing. Hello and welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams. And now I really don't know whether I'm coming or going. Uh, <laughs> on the, today's episode, we've got Udit joining us from Stake Easy, uh, which I guess uh, Juno folks may recognize as a um, liquid staking protocol that's recently gone live there. Um, and yeah, I'm getting bullied for my lack of organization on tweeting. So I'm going to mute myself and go and deal with Twitter. And I think it's done. Somebody just did you it. You just fucking do it. We'll do it. You just Who, you, did. You do it. Or maybe you, maybe you scheduled it. <laughs> I think you it? might. I think you might have scheduled well, that's, it. That's actually how you pronounce it. You know. I, know. I understand. Um, it, like no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it personal. I'm not going to make it personal. I'm going <laughs> to rise above it. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. So liquid staking. Let's just talk about liquid staking immediately and get me off the hook. Um, so, uh, Idiot, do you want to tell us a little bit of background? I, I'm always interested in this as a dev. Like, what's your what's your background? How did you get into crypto and stuff? And how long have you been working in the space? Yeah. And then we'll so, talk about uh, Stake Easy. But first, I want to know about you, buddy. Okay. <laughs> well, hang on. Well, it, well it, it's it's you well, and you. Like, is there, a, hey, is there a team of you guys? Because, uh, you know, just to get that out of the way first, is there a team? Yes. Uh, there's a team of, uh, I think, six or seven people. Like, it fluctuates. Some people join, oh, some man. people leave. But we have like three Rust developers and two front-end developers and one content writer. Awesome, man. Now tell us about you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think, uh, yeah. So I, I graduated in 2020 when the COVID hit. So after that, I joined full-time in a fintech company at a trading firm. So it was building out the C++ infrastructure for high-frequency trading. So I worked there for nearly uh, a year and a half completely work from home. So I'm kind of like the guy who needs to be told what to do to be on schedule. So I was working from home. So I was procrastinating as much as I could. So they they found out, okay, your work is good, but your discipline is not. So I said, okay, it doesn't align well. And at that time, uh, I think around last year, January, uh, my co-founder Amit, he was already working on Algorand. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, it was. So yeah, he was working on Algorand. And uh, so there's a tool called Hardat on Ethereum, which uh, simplifies your uh, process of building your contracts. So the same tool was being built by him and a guy. <laughs> really sorry about this. No, yeah. no, it's all good, man. Hydrate. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was saying that, uh, so he was building Algo, uh, Algo Builder. So I think he he already was working it uh, for around two years. So uh, at that time, Bitcoin was going from 20,000, 30,000 to 40,000. And every other news was covering it. So I was like, okay, there's something here that I can look into. So I discussed with him, like, what's the development side of things? So he got me through what a swap is and what uh, contracts are and what Ethereum is. So then I was like, okay, I have some free time to look into it. So we first decided, okay, we can make a swap. Then we saw that, okay, every chain has a swap and it doesn't make any sense to build another swap. 
then we sort of found out okay uh, the cosmos sdk has a lot of things going on and the cosmosm is relatively newer language as compared to solidity and there's a lot of uh, lack of tooling here that we see okay now uh, we can identify three or four points that we can improvise on and we we'll combine that into one tool that can be used to like really simplify the process and make it more robust for the user for the developer itself so we built out polar which is development framework for secret network and we got the grant from secret labs for developing that and yeah so after that in december we started working on liquid staking because we found out okay uh, liquid staking is something that is a really good fit for a proof of stake chain and we saw that okay dido has worked on ethereum and found uh, like a really good solution that works for a uh, retail investor for instance like for ethereum if you wanted to uh, stake your eth you needed at least 32 eth at that time so lido solved that problem by if anyone has one eth they can also stake that through uh, lido and get st eth so the same solution we found that okay it's not available throughout cosmos we can first start with secret and then see how we can also simplify the ux because if you see uh, the first text came uniswap it was a good solution but then curve came and a lot of other swaps came that uh, improved that model even further or like optimized it came with limit orders and stuff like that so you saw that okay in, in liquid string also this is kind of like the first generation of the protocol and then it can be improved further by iteration by different teams so we also saw that okay the first thing that's really uh, important here is that uh several exchanges central exchanges like binance they have these features where like okay you can trade your uh, crypto like uh, any token like btc atom or eth but uh, they know that okay most investors are going to hold it so why not just provide them with some yield opportunities and i've seen most of the yield opportunities are indirectly just uh, staking with the validator but they take a huge cut but and the end user the retail user doesn't know that where's the yield coming from and how much is that yield and how much they are taking there's no that okay it's better to have uh, it generating some yield than to have no yield at all so our end goal is to provide that level of user experience and give the transparency of defi to the end user and liquid saying just one step into it so um it has been uh so the juno implementation i haven't really looked too much into like the the secret implementation and stuff like that but it seems like you are starting to gain some users of the platform as well um i'm not sure is it accelerating or is it sort of tapered off is it hit like a bit of an s curve or is it um continuing on um, yeah, it, it's much more uh, traction than we got in secret that's now i think it's around uh, about to reach 400000 juno like when i had uh, interview with don it was 300000 juno so yeah and that was like about a week ago right yeah yeah um so have you found uh like what what uses for se juno and b juno have you got so far or are you like working on partnerships with people or is it um purely at the moment just farming in the um juno swap it's uh so three uh, swaps are there osmosis we have pairs on osmosis and on juno swap and also on loop dex so the next step is to find uh, is to find a good uh, a good lending protocol that we can use so we're looking into ways maybe we can collaborate with mars if it comes to juno anytime in your future or maybe also we can utilize ibc to send the sjuno over to any other chain so there's also cnl lend 
which we integrated our SE secret with. But we'll see like if we can integrate SE Juno with that also. So you can have liquid stake Juno, which you can take over to lending protocol on secret and then uh, take out, let's say, maybe USDC while uh, depositing that. Um, so so the next move is is into lending. Um, yeah. So is that that's just going to be on Juno or are you going to integrate that like across Juno and then into secret um, and other I networks? Mean, uh, or? Wherever the UX is better because uh, with secret, like it's, it's an uh, unpopular take, but I see that uh, a lot of, uh, like for instance, uh, with our application on secret and Juno, the Juno RPC is much more responsive than the secret uh, RPC is because like, uh, it's a different model that Secret has applied, which leads a lot of work. And so they haven't reached that uh, up to that level that they can integrate all of those features and also make them stable enough. So it kind of requires a lot of work to reach that level of stability because they're taking their own uh, kind of like a lot of... So basically they're adding the was the custom Wosom engine, Wosme, I guess. So that itself in, in a nutshell is a lot of work. So if you had that kind of work, it kind of like makes you also want to put extra work to even make it stable. And currently, like the, there's a lot of uh, tensing in timeouts and things like that that we have to make sure on the front end side is handled. So it's really hard to make the end user understand that where's that error coming from? Is it from the uh, API? Is it from the front end or is it from the contract or is it from the network itself? So that difference I feel uh, is there to maybe in terms of just a simple UX experience. For example, like if you look at uh, why Osmosis is a really good DEX is that it just works. It works really well for the case that it's been built for. And yeah, yeah. so that's, I feel, is the main thing that the protocol should first look into get. So they, you just want to get the first thing that you're building to be as much right as possible it can be or as much stable as it can be. So, so you're basically like on your MVP at the moment, and then you're gonna start building on that um, and adding different products. Yeah. Uh, so first is just get the MVP as much as uh, working perfectly as it can be. So when we launched in March, we only had uh, the SE token. So it's only this SE secret, no B secret at the moment. And then we worked on okay, we saw that okay, Lido did implement this kind of tool, uh, two token model when they had. Equestrian on Terra because they wanted to integrate with Anchor. So they had this model where they had ST Luna and B Luna interchangeable. But uh, so the B Luna was used to provide uh, as a collateral on Anchor, and the ST Luna was the auto compounding version where you just want to hold the ST token, you just want to auto compound your rewards, you just hold that. But if you want to use it in a protocol like Anchor, you need to convert to B Luna. But uh, what we saw in that model is that... Wait, uh, I'm sorry. Can you go back and explain the there real quick? Did you say yeah. that SE Luna, you can claim the rewards manually, whereas B Luna, it would auto-compound, making it kind of inherently deflationary? Is, is that correct? I think it's the other Deflationary way in the sense yeah, that it would be... Way. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's the, the, the other, other way, way around. around. Yeah. yeah. So B, B Juno... Um, Mm -hmm. or B Lunar or B whatever, the Bs. So they don't nice. change in value. That hmm. I think they've got like a, so they've got a claimable reward. Um, and the SE Juno is like an auto compounding reward. So 
yeah, when you look at the pool, the the swap rate for SE Juno versus B Juno goes down over time. So at some point, like SE Juno will be worth, you know, more. Well, it is worth more now than B Juno. Um, so the, the swap rate changes. But only one of those can be used for lending and those types of things. So SE just keeps getting auto compounded, but B I can use for lending in the future and those types of things. Is that also part of that? Yes, so you can do uh, all, all. You can do lending with both of them, but okay. the B version is makes more sense for uh, providing liquidity for a swap. Because SC Juno, if if there's SC Juno and Juno, after one year it's going to be a different exchange rate. So there's a fixed impermanent loss always that's associated with it. But if you so have, does, like, yes, continue. Sorry, no, continue. No, please. So the B Juno Juno pair doesn't have any impermanent loss because B Juno will always be one is to one packed with Juno. So if you provide liquidity uh, through that pair, you'll get uh, no impermanent loss. But uh, also you will not get any sticking rewards because like now it's going to the contract, the LP contract that you're providing it to. So the better version here that we're implementing further is that when you provide liquidity for B Juno Juno pair, you won't get any impermanent loss. But all the staking rewards we can redirect from our treasury back to the uh, LPE holders. So now, and and this also, if we implement our own swap, we can do this uh, compounded every 24 hours. So each LP token holders is also getting more uh, B Juno rewards. So that they, for example, if you hold any B Juno, it's just like plain staking, where like you don't have any uh, B Juno, but you also have access to that 100 Juno, let's say that you have staked. So you have to come every day, do a transaction of your claim and deposit yeah. again to auto compound. You can do the same with B Juno. But if let's say there's a swap that does, the contract does that for you. And now you're holding the LP tokens, which represents your B Juno, for which your staking rewards are being claimed every 24 hours. And so you are basically getting the staking rewards when you unstake your LP tokens. And now you're also not facing any impermanent loss. So that's the perfect solution I see, which is much better than the current liquidity solutions right now. And the is the perfect solution for lending, uh, for lending kind of things. Hmm. You're muted. Uh, no, you're muted. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, actually, I had a question um, while you were talking, but I bloody completely forgot what it was. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about the uh, being able to collect those rewards. Um, so what came to my mind um, as you, you were explaining was the the contracts um, for this are like custodial. So you swap your your um, Juno for a B Juno or SE Juno. So there's going to be um, quite a lot of uh, Juno sitting in your contracts mm-hmm. um, if people continue to use it. So... I just wanted to know, um, you know, like what have you been doing on your side for auditing and making sure of the security of the contracts? Is there some sort of process you go through on each iteration and before you go live or is it um, at the moment are you just sort of uh, doing that internally? Or So it's majorly just internally right now. We got an audit when we released on Secret, but when I read the audit report, I was like, Waste the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, 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 the report just in conclusion was that okay, uh, you guys wrote a lot of integration tests, which helped us 
test it better. So I was like, okay, did you just run our test? And that was the audit. So what we did when we released on Juno was that, okay, we added the BJuno model. So I think for a month and a half, uh, both of us were just writing as much as tests we can. And so, as I mentioned earlier, so Polar also had uh, one feature where it, it allowed you to do integration testing through the JS client. So currently, if you are building any Cosmos or contracts, you can write unit tests in that Rust file itself. So these are the Rust tests that are running just for the contract. And it's not an instance of the contract that's deployed on a network. But you can, uh, on your own, use the Cosm.js client and write your own assertions and tests when you integrate with, let's say, when you are interacting with the Juno testnet or even the mainnet. You can say assertions like, okay, now I instantiate with these parameters. If I execute this transaction, this should happen. So we, we built out a framework where we, it abstracts all of these things into a simple uh, testing scripts where you don't have to like bootstrap all of the, define. you don't have to define every time how the setup is going to be. So we use that and we wrote a lot of integration tests for like every other day, I was just waking up and writing as much as tests I can. And so I, I thought it was just going to be a couple of weeks, but after a couple of weeks, I was like, it's going to be much more than that. So the more tests I was writing, I was like, okay, <laughs> I was losing more confidence while I was writing the test. But by the end of it, so all of the security is just internal to make sure that, okay, we have uh, made sure that okay if one person is writing the contract uh, the part of the contract that's going to be tested by another person so that way we can just cover up the third party audit kind of thing where we can say okay the person who's writing contract is not the one who's testing it so it's a different context the other guy also has yeah okay and so it's more of like an internal internal testing um, environment um yeah i mean like you know a, a different person is kind of like a third party, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe the devs have the devs in the room have more of a a uh, like comment on that, but um, yeah, I mean, as long as well, at least you're doing something, right? Yeah, and there is a chance of loss, right? I mean, there is a chance that it isn't a contract, and there is a there is a possibility of loss for those Juno holders, right? So contract we could be we do have other types of things. We do have like a few. Uh, like safety measures that we implemented first is that if we if any of uh, us find that okay there's something going on phishing going on there we can just immediately post the contracts through the admin call mm-hmm. we can also like uh, we have a kill switch where like we just uh, stop all of the processes like no one can interact with the contract and the contract will not further stake any tokens and will also start to unstake all of the Juno tokens and anyone who has staked their Juno through SE Juno or B Juno can also claim those. So those things are also implemented just to make sure that if in case anything goes wrong, we have the solution in place. Right. Yeah, I could see the problem with auditors. I think we've had this conversation a few times around just finding, I mean, smart, I mean, maybe maybe Frey can talk about this as well, but finding capable. Yeah, there's, a, there's a special place in the, in the phrase heart for auditors. Well, finding <laughs> capable, smart contract auditors that will stand behind that audit has to be a pretty short list, especially Very. especially on the Wasm side, right? It's new technology and everything else. Like there has to be a there has to be a pretty short list of people you would trust, including yourself. I think Freight he's tuned out. 
Yeah, he's like add, has a little add smile add. every now and then, and he's like, "Nah, don't care." I don't know if you if you if you trust yourself as a programmer, then that's, your first <laughs> that's perfect. Mistake, I would say that's yeah. Um, I we I mean, we I guess we we've been going through a period where we're getting ready for mainnet with the HAL contracts, and that's like surprisingly complex logic actually for the for the way the staking works because of the number of posts i mean even on the test net mm-hmm. like it was tens and tens of thousands ten thousand users all that sort of thing and it it just like the 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 amount of edge cases you drive out with that is fucking bananas frankly like it yeah yeah, that that was something we le- like. I I came into that with uh, a lot of faith that the Rust compiler would save us. And <laughs> as somebody who gave up maths like the earliest time I could, like age fifteen or whatever, fourteen, fifteen, whatever, uh, I was like, as ah, whatever, like maths, no big deal. Just knock it together, write some unit tests. Rust compiler handles the rest. Yeah. Nope. Not when you get a weird overflow bug that causes something to roll back atomically and you're like, okay, cool, no harm done. Potentially in a crazy scenario where that's like, oh, it's right at the end of an epoch and at the end of the epoch we do this calculation and then this happened and then it it fails and it goes, okay, well, hold this. I'm not going to do anything. I won't give that user those rewards. And then the epoch ticks over. And those rewards just got sent to the dark dimension or something. And you're like, yeah. well, technically, every component of the system did the thing it was told to do. It's just that you as a programmer like, told it to do the wrong fucking thing. <laughs> um, uh, but that like that edge case, this is what I've actually been thinking a lot about auditing this week because we've been trying to track this one down and, and about code reviews because specifically I was trying to track down what problem was because one of uh, the dev who wrote that piece of code uh, was uh, in in transit somewhere and then had a family thing or something. I got it's not important, but I had four days basically broken days to to look at it, and in the end, I couldn't work out what was wrong in the time available. But I did find another bug that nobody else was aware of, and that just shows you that we live in a hellscape. And this is why we kind of have nice things because. <laughs> What what I found basically the fix for the bug in the end was that, and I had completely missed this because I just assumed I, I looked at the setup for the unit test and went ah that looks fine and moved on. Something was seventy three and it should have been seventy five because that long story short that's the basic maths for how the blocks are set up in the unit test. So what was happening was it wasn't advancing an epoch and actually triggering the correct behavior. I and mean, if you did that everything passed it was fine so there was actually no bug and i tore my hair out for two days trying to isolate the bug that did not exist by rewriting loads and loads of rust code that used mutes to be immutable and replacing every single operation every single math operation in the code base to like whatever and messing around with all of the types and whatever and it, it was none of that there was no bug but in Listen, but in doing that i found another bug and the other bug <laughs> right accidentally i changed all that shit and then when i did that the the chaos test in like one in three times just did a massive like overflow like a multiplication overflow and 
it turned out that that was just because of like the random we had there's some random number generators in our unit test to be like oh just give this user 10 million and see what happens if they try and stake it and then pull it out and this other user doing this crazy thing um and then we it looked it was like oh nobody's ever going to have that much it's not possible and then we did some maths it was like oh yeah the dow will have this much at genesis and like if in a hypothetical world nobody really stakes very much for the first uh, 20 days let's say and then the dow elects to stake this amount and then they gain rewards for 10 yeah okay that that multiple that multiplication overflow will occur and the contract will be bricked and we'll never be able to recover it and we were like holy fuck <laughs> that's actually but but like three of us had, had looked at that code three of us had worked on that code and we knew it knew it quite well so this is a very long way 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 of saying like if we're brought in an auditor there's no fucking way <laughs> what, what's uh, the moral of the story like shit happens randomly and then you find problems Blockchain, yeah. based on use right right like that's basically <laughs> well, that, it your, your hey, whole hey, story hey. is like <laughs> well to be fair actually maybe the auditor would run some fancy piece of like code no scanning fucking go, way. and go oh the, this, the moral this of the story is this multi, this this might overflow in a weird way that you're not expecting because that is actually to be fair something that code scanning sometimes can do. That? Well, so but then Maybe? there's last week uh, Osmos Hall did it and Todd's first response was, "Dang, my code didn't or like my my literature didn't catch any of that because he he audited Osmosis and so like you said those those linting or those automated tests it's just messed up sometimes." Okay, so maybe it wouldn't catch it. Maybe we'd be screwed. But anyway, so the, the moral of something. that story is that two days of my life was not wasted, but not for the reason <laughs> I thought. <laughs> the moral of the story is don't hire shit coders on trains. I wasn't on, on trains? a train that time. <laughs> oh, okay. In a plane? It seems equally as hard to code from. To that point, did you guys, did you guys run this on Uni? On on the Juno yes. testnet and like how did you? I mean, Howell had the that that moral of that story also that that not to flex right Howell team, but they had a couple ten thousand people that are using that that code in testnet to be able to try it out. Flex flex. Um, but the did, Howell did, team, the the Howell, uh... yeah yeah like well some were, some were bots. Let's be let's right. be let's be kind. Eighty percent were bots. Copy that from <laughs> copy that from Twitter too. All right, so yeah. so away from the bots, eight people did decent testing on Howl <laughs> and Testnet, right? Okay, so and how did how did you guys? I don't remember seeing this, but you know I, I don't really follow the apps so much on Uni, even though we you know we obviously we run uh, infrastructure for it. How did you guys test these pieces out? Did you guys do the same type of thing on Uni and just try to be able to run that structure in a in a organized Testnet piece? Yeah, so the first uh, level of testing we do is through the local net. So there's a Docker uh, image for sure. Juno. So that we have integrated with Juno Kit, which is to, uh, uh, let's say, like, currently, if you want to deploy any contracts, uh, most people do it through the CLI. They write every command to, okay, that's one command to deploy this contract, one command to instantiate it. So let's say you have uh, in any, even I guess in Juno Swap, there's like, uh, three or four contracts you need to deploy and instantiate. So, yeah. So, so what we do is that we abstracted that way on the tooling side. Now it's just that, okay, we have contracts, we write compile, we write deploy to testnet, deploy to local net. So first we like check on the local net, it's working fine, that whoever is developing it or debugging it. Then we go to unit testnet. So we also ran the public testnet for a month and a half before releasing on the mainnet. 
And so one thing that happened was that most users who were testing it out assumed that it's an incentivized chestnut. Sure. So yeah. all of them were just uh, Where's my saying coins? That, okay, it, it was working fine and like working well yeah. for me. Unstaking yeah. was not working somehow, but like it's really good UX. So yeah. they were posting their address and their snapshot. And I was like, we didn't announce that it's an incentivized word. Like, who's the one who's announcing it on our end? And we just saw some, like, random people uh, making videos saying that, okay, if you want to get some rewards, just yeah. Yeah. do these three steps and post it on their Discord and you'll get some rewards. But, yeah. yeah that was- oh, you had that as well. That was, that was a fun one. Seriously. Where, yeah. I, I like, totally saw when I was and posting their address and then they're yes. like task done and you're like there are thanks. no tasks <laughs> thanks there are no tasks yeah anybody I was who's browsing like- the discord and and people are like where are my fucking rewards man <laughs> and i'm like what are they gonna do give you like b juno anyone who's launching <laughs> a chain thinking about launching a chain thinking about launching a project never do an incentivized test net it was in the cosmos was- never ever we we're just we we're just I mean, laughing no, there's some irony no, here. I, no, I agree. No. Unfortunately, now I agree. But like it used to be that an incentivized testnet made a lot of sense, right? Like you got a handful of validators. There was like 15 of us. We would tombstone ourselves, <laughs> get points for that, and then <laughs> that was it. Now it's like you have an incentivized testnet and you have 17,000 people. The Aptos one, they had to shut down their testnet because they had some, like, something like 400,000 people burning through the faucet and stuff. A like, day. It's just insane now. Not, yeah, right. A day. Yeah, a day. Now it just doesn't make sense anymore because like you're not getting an effective like and, data. And we were we were just laughing about the say testnet because the say the say testnet they had like a when it launched I think we all had an internal conversation about how like we know this is going to go a little bit off the rails because they had like 17 different tests and they wanted to have a form filled out for each person that's replying to that. And all I'm thinking about in the back end is like this form is going to be filled out 85,000 times and nobody's going to look yeah. at it. Like, because once you get into it, it's totally yeah. unstructured data. It's free form field. You're fucked. Like, there's no way you're, you know, like you're totally screwed. It's not like it's a, you know, it's not like it's a, a Scantron, like from the eighties, right? Like you, you, it's a really free form data type of unstructured data type thing. And I'm looking at this, like, this is gonna be a mess. And sure enough today, like there's huge arguing in this, in this validator channel around my rewards and this and that. And like, Hey, like just be happy to be part of it. Like we're, I'm, we're not in it for the incentivized test net rewards. You just want to be part of the chain for a long term. Like we're thinking 20 years. Right. So I think I'm just it's trying just to hit a those blocks, idea. son. just want to get those blocks, son. That's <laughs> it. I want to run infrastructure blocks. to get those blocks. That's it. I just trying to get that 99.999. <laughs> That's right. Impossible to get the hundo There's, on the, the, There are so. definitely like, I, I feel like there definitely is like a little bit of an, uh, like there's definitely a cutoff point in experience, isn't there? Where you're a, you're an old man of Cosmos if you remember when it was hard to fill a validator set. Yeah, like yeah. I remember like last there was, week. <laughs> there was like specifically a, a what's it called? Um, there was a line I think in the original version of the Cosmwasm docs that said something like, "We've got enough validators in our test net," said nobody ever. Yeah, and then like by the time I think version one rolled around, I'm pretty sure that line got taken out because it was like that is no longer factually correct. <laughs> it's no longer. Yeah, correct. I mean yeah, for sure. When well, I actually start validating, go ahead. It, sorry, if you have a test net that you know you just want to run, it's hard to find people. If you have an incentivized okay. bullshit test net, you will have ten thousand yeah. people. So a, a pre, I think that they meant a pre-genesis 
test now. But is it though? I mean, we, we only can... if it's incentivized. If, if if it's not incentivized, you still will have like ten. No, I don't think so. I think like even like we're running testnet nodes for a bunch and like even that we can't get into sets because people are spamming the faucet and shit and like like either we get you know involved from a foundation perspective because somebody wants us to be involved which is which is really nice we want to be involved in those but um but still even not incentivized you have a ton of there's a lot of there's a lot of validator interest i think the words out that all you gotta do is spin up a hetzner box and you're done <laughs> type of idea which is totally not true don't get me wrong it's not true but anyway so what were you gonna say is over here <laughs> or you, you just you just spawn up 75 vms uh via terraform script and you're done right that's that is tragically my day today i can't <laughs> wait to see our fucking build. jesus christ I've, i'm moving everything into separate aws accounts now so i can actually i can at least know where the pain is coming you from. can cry individually as every bill shows up in your inbox holy shit holy shit how many more emails am i getting I, I i only recently got around to being professional enough to split into two accounts and that was already shocking enough so i can't wait to see what happens when everything is split out because you get a message as well like they send you this night like, push notification yeah. like hey Hey, here's your bill, and you're like, <laughs> and in the push notification, it tells you the number. You're like, oh, it does. That's funny, like, Ooh, motherfucker. <laughs> and you might, gets, you might get you it. split them out. They come separately, so you see, it's the same number, but somehow it feels worse because the first one arrives, and invariably, like the smallest one arrives first. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, all that restructuring I did was really it's good, and yeah. yeah, really optimizing those instances. That's the. <laughs> That's the, years of, the, that's the years of that's the years of cloud consulting right there. You know, not not a fucking sucker giving all your money to Jeff Bezos, <laughs> and then like the next one rolls in, and it's just like, oh no, there's all the other money. Nope, yeah, we're fucked. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Are you getting? You might get. I'm, I'm not even that point resulted yet. in two bills. Yeah. I'm not to that point yet. I my my having different accounts for AWS is I use a different region for what I'm using. Like, uh, this is what's doing this. I'll choose a different region. Follow that way. That's good enough. That's good though. <laughs> that is I, I honestly cannot fucking figure out AWS at all. Like I just, I got this random 10 cent bill from them and I couldn't figure out what it was for. <laughs> I was, I was clicking for about fucking an hour and a half. Lambda? Oh, no, uh, Lambda's, no, I, I think Lambda's base cost is 56 cents, isn't it? <laughs> I just closed the account and didn't pay them 10 cents. So I think, I think the Frey gets I'm sure a 10 cent bill. have a bill collector. Frey gets, Frey gets a 10 cent bill for actually opening the bill. <laughs> It's yeah. such a, it's such a cents, that's cheap. Anyways, that's cheap. Are you kidding me? That's too funny. I think it was for something dumb like just having an account for a um, – like having a user or something for uh, like a space, you know, like an S3 space. I think Could I be. had had a user for an S3 space. Oh, you and have they like charged me user. for that. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I am users you charge for now. Yeah. I think we're <laughs> but, making money. I was not using for. any service at all. It was just that. Well, you're using some, I am. There was some configuration somewhere that they charged me for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I don't know what I am is, man. I don't use AWS. I was poking around on the free free tier, on the yeah. shit tier, and then poked, started you poked getting too charges. Far. You're like the dwarves <laughs> in Moria. You poke too far and too deep. That. Obscure reference for 500. <laughs> not that. It's Lord not of the Rings reference. is an obscure what? Lord of the Rings, the most popular <laughs> fantasy see? series of all time. Qu- is this going to devolve into a movie called. podcast again? 
Look, I've actually got more questions for. Um, Uden, I'm going to so, stop. Yeah, let's I, do it. I've Go already on. brought it back to Go, movies. Please. I'm going to shut up now. Yeah, you you inevitably get invariably get there, no matter what. It's uh, it's your track. You you start somewhere, you go in story time for a little bit, then we're back on movies. I just, it's invariable. Anyway, so back to uh, <laughs> so how do you control how do you control the distribution of um, uh, stake food? Because I noticed I've been looking yeah. at it as you've added new people, and mm-hmm. it seems that when you're adding new people, you're assigning all of the distribution of stake to go to those people for a bit, and then. Um, and then I guess you have to like flick a switch at some point to start distributing it back to the others. So is the plan to have sort of 10 for the time being and then just evenly distribute it through those validators? So uh, it's kind of a trade-off where like if any user comes, let's say it's always going to be one-tenth for 10 validators always. So the contract is doing 10 transactions every time to speak to all of these. So what we did, we came to a, like a middle ground where like we'll have a sort of equal distribution, but most of the time it's just going to stick to one validator, all of the, uh, like, so every 24 hours, the user doesn't directly stick to the validator. It first comes to a contract and the cron job stakes it uh, to the validators. So the user just have to pay the transaction fees for sending it, sending the Juno over. And then it just works like if the total amount for that 24 hours is more than uh, T by uh, like the TVL by N. So for instance, N is 10. If it's more than one tenth of the current total value staked, then it will be distributed in all of these ten. But if it's less than that, then just stake with the least one, so that it'll go up. And, and does it way- stake with the one with the lowest amount, or is it like yeah. a round robin type thing? So it's the stake with the lowest one. Okay, so it's just always if it's less than ten percent of the total amount staked, it'll mm-hmm. always just stake with the lowest one. Yeah. Did okay, you pick, cool. Did you pick those first 10 based off like hairstyles or those types of things? Or how did King Nodes get into that into that mix? We want to understand and what we could do better. That was a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like two things we considered. One is the fees amount. Like mm-hmm. we wanted it to be between 5 to maybe 7 or 8%. Because yep. below 5, it doesn't make sense because the infrastructure won't be that good enough because like you are not getting any commissions. So there's that risk of them being down. Uh, if it's more than 7 or 8%, then the reward amount won't be good enough for the end user. And the second thing we looked at, okay, uh, which one of these we see are also actively part of the community or like doing something or like uh, people know that who these validators are. So right. there's more trust in that. And and right now you're limiting it to 10 or are you, are you thinking about maybe 13? So, <laughs> you, what about how about 13 13's a good lucky number i mean 12 12 because 13 13's unlucky and we're 10 percent. you're at 10 i mean it is it is basically our crew plus don <laughs> there is there is Wait, don's yeah. not in the crew don's in the crew He's, well you know the the crew yes yeah yeah People are like what? And why do you <laughs> li- why do you limit to, to a certain percentage of the validator set? Like, is there anything that um, 
maybe I don't understand the mechanics of it enough from, from a contract perspective. Uh, why even limit it at all? Um, I, I assume you have to worry about validators dropping out of the set. That might be an issue, right? Um, in terms of that piece of it. But other than that, um, what's the what's the reason for ten versus a hundred? So uh, it's it's part of that. Okay, all of the uh, validators in the network are not going to perform well all of the time. So you, as a user, don't want to be exposed to any kind of risk that you didn't do. Or like if a validator gets stayed, you are not the one who was doing the actions to get that validator stayed. But your stake was also cut off because you staked with that validator. And so our thesis was that we'll choose that set that can perform the best in the long run. So the user doesn't have to choose the validator which the best. Or most of the, let's say, the retail users who are coming from centralized exchanges, they just mm -hmm. see the list of the names of validator. They don't know anything else. So there's also this Nakamoto coefficient which says that how was the least number of validators that needs to have more than 50% share. So yeah. this needs to be as much large as possible. So we also kind of want to increase that with mm -hmm. our uh, set. So we choose some from the bottom, some from the middle, some from the top. And we also make want to make sure that if you choose some from the bottom, those are not the ones who are going to go down because they don't have much of the stake and much of the experience in validating. And so the rough thesis is that we just want to make sure that nothing goes wrong. And the set that's been chosen is the one that's the, performing the best out of the, all of the net validators in the network. So, so what, what is your failover if someone either leaves the set permanently or like tombstones? Is there any sort of handling for that? Yes. So uh, there's a redelegation that you can do every 28 days. So the mechanism is also in there, like whenever uh, any validator goes out of the set, we immediately restake that to a new validator. And there's also one more uh, approach we are going to be soon implementing is that every 28 days, we'll just update most of the set completely. So let's say uh, in our case, if we have 10 validators, but uh, according to our parameters, 20 or 30 validators fit that perfectly. So we can kind of like switch between uh, each of the 10 from these 30 every 28 days. So it's kind of also giving all of the validators the amount and also like uh, circulating through them. Sounds like honestly a pretty pretty cool community service. And no, you're you're muted again. <laughs> we heard you say from a technical perspective, what's the maximum you could actually have? I mean, I know there's like some concerns about um, yeah how that fits together and with decentralization and stuff, but by only including validators that are sort of known to be good, aren't you really basically going on validator marketing? Because it's not like you're auditing their setups, right? Mm -hmm. um, so to some extent, what this actually is, is like which validators sort of... And look, we do a podcast, obviously, and it's not because... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's partly because we would be shit-talking on a private call at this time on a Wednesday anyway, but it's, you know, it's partly marketing, obviously. You know, that's part of what we do here. It's not fully altruistic. Our shit <laughs> not, very, not very well. But, well, yeah, we're really shit. The irony is that we're, we do this actually in spite of the fact we're quite shit at marketing it. <laughs> really, um, not very well. But whatever. We, yeah, okay. But the point is, like, at least we, we conceptually, even if we can't execute on it, we conceptually understand the importance of being out there in the space and making noise, if you like. I mean, if that's, that's, has to be pretty much a definition of what I do anyway. But the danger there is, like, like you know, in terms of pure, I, 
it, right, it's the difference between like I guess how much I probably talk on this podcast compared to Usurper, right? Who is actually the better node operator? That is, I think, the the crux of the point that I'm trying to get at, which is that isn't there a danger here of like if you pick validators primarily that are known in the community or who are sort of very visible and active, they're often actually you know not necessarily what they've demonstrated is marketing now. So they haven't necessarily there's it's it's quite hard to actually. And this is the problem with a lot of the, I grant, you know, this is the same problem with all of those validator ranking conversations that go nowhere because they're fucking pointless. I, I do get mm-hmm. that. But, you know, it's very, very hard to actually assess the technical I'm gonna stop you. I'm going to stop you because when you look at the validators that they've actually got here, they're not marketers. Yeah. These ones, aren't, it's not the case. Like, Ooh, um, I disagree what? hard on that. What are you talking about? <laughs> look at, no, look at number, look no, at number seven, King Nodes. You, I will ask you, what does Don <laughs> Cryptomium primarily do? I obviously love the okay. Don. Let, let, let me rephrase. For, for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, these these aren't. Uh, like, you got Oni, you got Golden Ratio. Oh, Oni, you got and Don. Well, Golden Ratio. Community, Golden Ratio doesn't market. Golden. He just Islander? talks a lot. They're, they're not Highlander, marketing yeah. spaces. What? Yeah, Highlander. You saying they're all? You saying they're all? Yeah, but they're not out there like fucking. They're not. I'm like marketers are better marketers than we are, mate. Well, yeah, yeah, that list that list is long and distinguished of of groups that are better better marketers than we are. Fuck fuck off! Pokachu doesn't do shit. I don't do shit. All right, no, 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 no. Actually, you know, you, 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 you literally one of one somebody from King Nodes literally is in the Juno chat constantly helping people that is if that's it's that is like one of the most effective marketing strats in the whole of the cosmos so well it doesn't work i'll tell you that <laughs> well apparently it does yeah well, apparently it does <laughs> sorry, and to be clear I, like them being marketers doesn't mean they're bad it's just that i think the statement of them being not being marketers is not i'll tell bad. you what like, of, i would say my, the majority of these are my directive to joseph is help people do not tell people to stake with us Sure. I said, no, no, just no, no. be visible and look, help. Look, 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 look. In this, in this limited instance, like I know that I am the Naomi Klein advocate here. Like, like I, obviously, I have a conceptual and philosophical problem with marketing. That has been well established. But <laughs> there's a difference between doing very little and doing absolutely nothing. But in this particular <laughs> instance, in this particular instance, I'm not using marketing as some kind of trojan horse for disapproval i'm not using it to say i think this is bad or morally improper i'm just stating a factual thing all i heard was these are all shit validators that market that's that's all i heard i felt like a personal attack Uh, well hold on like go go yeah let me give me me one second also go there you go so i mean one point to be made I'm, i'm i'm a fan of oni obviously kevin's great but they've only been in the juno set for the last couple of months right and mm-hmm. so they don't have the proven history that, like, a lot of other people have. So, like, why would, they be, <laughs> why would they be on the list, right? I don't think they shouldn't be on the list, to be clear. I'm just saying that, like, clearly that's because of marketing them, because they now are known, even though they've been on the list less. Like in the well, let's just ask you to, right? what, what was the selection um, of Oni? <laughs> Jeez, that's a nice, uncomfortable <laughs> spot to put him in. <laughs> Why the oh, fuck tuned, are these people I, on I this list? I tuned out for 10 <laughs> seconds to double check the list and then I tuned back in. It's just like, why is Oni not on this? Like, what, 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 what did you guys do? I no, he is on the list. 
I literally uh, flicked, it, flicked over did to you even look at the fucking five list? seconds, and you guys have organized like a witch hunt. I that do was I, that was really Schultz actually. It was mostly like it was mostly not, it was Kevin. It was Schultz. No, 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 no. Schultz. I was totally fine with Kevin being on the list. I think Oni's great. Schultz. Schultz. Don't cancel me. Don't cancel me. Especially the What are you doing, man? You can't. No, the point was I was making was that like. He's been like on the Juno Ballard set for less time. So like it's it's a point towards it's a marketing thing. I don't I'm not saying he shouldn't be on the stick easy list in any way to reform. Just saying that it, like it's a point in the favor of this is a like a marketing example, not as much a what about poker does virtually nothing? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's the one show. person in the cosmos who deserves a lot more than no pretty much all of us. It's it's Let's go. No shit. I agree with that. Full full stop. No shit. You could so probably just actually do a liquid staking that was just Polkachew, and that would pan out. I mean, fine. He is. He is. <laughs> yeah, the poster, no one could play. Poster yeah, child no of. Complain. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll stake. I'll stake with that. Unstake. Unstate from Needlecast, whoever the fuck they are. I, to po- to po- like Polka is in the same same place that we are. Like his marketing, like what I'm not gonna talk about his marketing, but he has saved the bacon of every fucking validator on this list and of every other chain. He is the unsung hero of uh, of validators that doesn't that doesn't turn into delegations. <laughs> Only rarely know, when, when he, projects he see it. He doesn't really. He doesn't have like the. Um, the unfuck my node um, tombstone recovery tool yet. <laughs> <laughs> and when he does, he'd still get no fucking delegation. He would, yeah, exactly. That is his lot in life. He's, like, he does. Honestly, the good part about, about his contributions is that it has been recognized, I think by most chain operators and those types of things. So like he's in decent standing on every chain, which is really good. If he was in the 149th out of eight of these types of chains, it would be, it'd be sad. Um, but that's not the case. And it so has, that's good. It's been recognized with grants as well. Yes. Way, yeah, yeah. And it should be, it should be like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it has saved the bacon of, like I said before, of the of, entire cosmos in, in some, in one chain or another, at some point in the other, I think almost every validator has taken advantage of the solutions that have been, that he's delivered. Right. So, oh yeah. Well, every, every chain hold, it's like, so poke, you got so some where's that, snaps, where's right? that snap? <laughs> yeah. Where's that you snap? Like that. You got that recently pruned snap, dog. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. It's totally true. Uh, that's it. Is it's a uh, it is one. How come all these, these conversations either come back to Polkachu or Schultzy shitting on Oni? Right, that's really Polk the two, is, the two things. Is fucking I'm, great. I'm kidding. My I'm poker kidding. is a hundred percent the dude. I know it's good. Poker, poker abides. Anyway, right, I, I have another question. So, yes, who <laughs> it? So what is the, um, like, in your opinion, uh, what's the better solution for liquid staking? Is it contract or is it chain? And, and what do you think, like, the key differences are? Yeah, that's a good question. So contracts, I would say, like, it, both of them I see have pros and cons, but overall, a better solution, I would say, is the chain one. Uh given that you can like manage the development side of things of that because with chain you have more flexibility you can optimize on the chain level that's saying that okay it's just going to be for liquid staking i can optimize it and also if in future for instance if juno let's say scales to the scale that ethereum has then ethereum sometimes let's say OpenSea has some uh 
NFT drop and the whole network has to pay a lot of fees because of just this NFT drop. But if it's just a chain, then you won't have these kind of issues happening. And you also have to rely on the underlying network if it's the contract that they are also going to maintain it well. But on the flip side, if the chain itself is being maintained by really good uh, developers, then you just have to worry about the contract side of thing and not just the whole underlying. You don't have to understand how Go works and how the Cosmos SDK works. So it's lesser work on the contract side, much faster cycle, but uh, it's less things in control. So if you can maintain the development side of things, definitely the chain side. But if you have loan resources, then the contract side. But from the from the end user's perspective, both are going to work the same functionality wise. Like uh, in our case, for instance, we just are providing liquid staking for Secret and Juno because these two have uh, Cosmos of Content support. But if in future, let's say we want to support liquid staking for Atom, which doesn't have Cosmos, we can uh, utilize the interchain accounts. And if Juno is one of the controller chains, then what we can do is that anyone can bring their Atom to Juno and they can stake that Atom with uh, Stake Easy and the uh, will uh, basically use the interchain accounts to send that atom over back to Cosmos Hub and stake it and issue the SE atom to the user. So functionality-wise, it will be exactly the same. <laughs> Muted again. Is there, is there any um, like speed advantage of one or the other? I guess one one is natively on the chain, right? Well. You know, Cosmosm's on the chain, and then the others are probably, I'm assuming, communicating over IBC. I don't know too much about the the chain mm -hmm. solutions. Um, does anybody else? I mean, uh, speed. I don't think if uh, unless it's a DEX, speed is not that much of an issue. Because for decoy staking, you just take and you just take your asset somewhere else, and it just depends on what the utility is. For example, if you want to provide liquidity and osmosis for SCJuno Juno. And you want to trade as you do. The osmosis chain needs to be fast, not the stake easy kind of. Yeah, totally. Um, and also on the validator selection side. So, yeah, it's currently a very incomplete solution because, like, we are just selecting based on like who's out there. But in the long run, like I saw in Terra, some guys did try last year too. So you can. First, use on-chain data, and second, you can use you can maybe find out and communicate with the validators. Okay, are you using any monitoring or are you using any kind of alerting system, or do you have any backup nodes, things like that? And maybe you can verify those things and put that out there to the end user, and say that okay, uh, here's the Stake Easy DAO community, and here's the data that we have found and verified, so that it will help you make better decision, and then the DAO can vote whether this validator should go in or not. And you can also use on-chain data, like uh, in the last six months, how, how many blocks did it skip and how many times did the validator work? So I don't look forward to when you switch it to a DAO because then I think it will just become a popularity contest. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get OA. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I mentioned that it's going to be assisted by the data, saying that, let's say... Uh, if someone puts out the word saying that, okay, here's a validator which, which is not part of ActiveSet, now we want to vote whether we should include it or not. So there should be like checks in place in the DAO where saying that, okay, uh, if 
the validator does not qualify for the these using this data, then mm-hmm. even if the community votes yes, it won't go in the active side, right? Oh, okay, so, so it's like controlled by by background yeah. data. Yeah. Yep. So like a check checks and balances on mm-hmm. you know people just trying to have a popular vote to to put someone in. Yeah. Dude, I really appreciate you coming on. Like it, I think it's it's got a lot of um, potential. Obviously, with what's going what's going on within Juno and Secret, and I know you guys are looking it, at both Cosmos and Osmosis coming up as well, right? With kind of a different structure, like you mentioned, but but similar type, trying to offer the same type of product, right? So thanks for thanks for being here. It, it really yeah, seems you. like um, you have put like a lot of thought into it as well, and not just like yo load some shit together and put it out there. Like this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, like this podcast where we inadvertently shit on ourselves. <laughs> what is it? What is the fray doing, man? It's just like got the weirdest, uh, like whenever we talk at DeFi, DeFi, that's the look. That it, he gets coins that I get. and that's exactly and the same look. Just <laughs> staring at the horizon. We've, we've established that I bailed on that at an early age for good reason. So I when he starts it. talking about bloody dev shit, I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. And yeah. Yeah, yeah man. We, we really do appreciate you coming on and and clearing those things up with us and just talking through um, the protocol. And I think we're probably at the time where we're going to move into um, our next part of the show. Yeah. So we're not going to like it. dump you on your ass. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you thanks, for coming. Thanks. You're like the first person who's been thanked for coming on. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Thank you so much. I, I learned a lot. And I really appreciate it. Yep, same. All right. Catch you later, man. Thanks. <laughs> We're getting oh better God. at the transitions. <laughs> Somewhat that better was, at the transitions. That was relatively pro, except that was all right. whatever happened there with you double-clicking the transition by looking at it. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Well, I clicked it and it didn't work, so I clicked it again, and then I clicked it again. <laughs> and then I clicked it again. <laughs> I can click it. Like, so this that's a demonstration of what happens work. when you know your internet is bad and when you repeatedly right. yeah. you know, send what's presumably an Ajax call over to <laughs> the streaming software. Whatever. Anyway, I'm, no on, big I'm deal. on the Wi Fi. All right. <laughs> StreamYard's like, what the Wi-Fi. fuck is going um, on? How many times does he want this video? They're just like YOLO, whatever he can have. It wants it five times, he can play have it five times. That's right. My setup is Damn. basically the fray on a train right now. I'm like tethered to my phone. Getting that. Through so, so whose house are you at then? Because clearly you're like Did you break in into an Airbnb place? or someone's house or something. Did you just break then, in to yeah, find a spot? Yeah, what like, happened here? Is this that is a really nice background? place. It's like, well, that is a nice now. place. Look at that. Yeah. Whose house did you break uh, into? This is my weekend, I mean. Is that- <laughs> they don't let you use their Wi-Fi? <laughs> I don't know the password. <laughs> so um, I've actually, I've come to Brisbane for a few days to go to Oktoberfest on the weekend. So um, Oktoberfest. Here. Yeah, Oktoberfest, man. The Brisbane version. So, so like, there's going to be get a and chain halt on Saturday night, your time. Call them out, everybody. Set your watches. anything. Yeah. In prison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. So uh this house is um a secret. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. No, nah, 
It's uh, it's just it's my partner's um, parents' place. So oh, nice. I don't know where they are, but um, nice. We just stopped in here. Uh, we've got a place in Brisbane, but it's rented at the moment, so we can't stay there. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. Would like what to have is- like a, a better one, like on the river or something, but we're not billionaires, so jeez. Brisbane, just uh, yeah, problems. That, that beautiful view and deck not good enough for you? Uh, no, I mean like the other place. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, just yeah. checking. But, oh man, the uh, the oh. the uh, real estate in Brisbane has gone fucking mental in the last couple of years. Has it? That people yeah. moved out of Sydney and other types of things? No, it's just that like COVID bullshit and the um, oh. interest rates being really low. And mm-hmm. I don't know, everyone just being irrational. And then, so, you know, you used to be able to buy a house for 600 grand in the suburbs and now it's like over a million Jeez. for like, you know, no more value. So, but it's all, I think the property market's crashing a little bit at the moment because yeah. everyone's I mean, shoving gonna, those interest rates up. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. all going to kind of rug itself naturally over time, I think, in the in the next few months. So. Gonna be a, there's going to be a <laughs> but, pretty serious contraction in the in the property market probably. But I, want, I want to buy a house, so that's what I, I'm waiting for. That I'm like, time. I need it to crash a lot, please. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I've look. I'm a man in a in an attic. It's now winter. <laughs> this is the warmest room in the house. I'm living the dream. Um, Your attic is attached to like a, a rest of a house, though. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, by the time you you kind of it, like by the time you you you're in the attic working you could be anywhere in the world it's it, it's kind of fine the main thing the main thing you need in life is like a big starship enterprise wraparound desk that's all i'm saying like you, know, you need to have achievable goals like have you, you know, considered doing like view. what am i going to do with the river view i work all the time like but you know an extra I, don't, monitor. I don't look past my monitor anyway <laughs> well yeah i've got a big monitor here it's right in front of my face i've got like some cool shit over here which is obviously off camera and there's some cool shit here and there's like a big desk and you know you say so yeah, is there a, a window there sharp yeah. lighting there's a window <laughs> just up where my hand is there like, you, can see, you can see the sky so you know if it's raining or, or sunny right but it's always uh, raining right so well yeah it's always raining in manchester you know that's ask right that question. Yeah. doesn't matter <laughs> um oh shit dogs. Beer's, beer's well, always warm and it's, it's always raining it's raining yeah well i live in the northwest of england as well established so it's it's always raining all the time perfect what else is going on in the cosmos this week oh man it's been like i think it's been fucking quiet, quiet. like besides what the are you talking one, about no no hey, hear me out hear me out hear me out okay <laughs> besides besides the one million chain upgrades this week I think it's been relatively quiet on like you know twitter and um chats and shit it doesn't yeah. seem to have been very like, it put it this way. Usually when I wake up in the morning, it takes me an hour and a half to, like, catch up with all the shit that went on overnight. Mm-hmm. And now I can, at the moment, I can catch up in probably 15, 20 minutes. So I, I think I would generally agree with that. I think that the big thing right now is there's been a lot of discussion around Adam 2.0 right now. Um, I just it? got added to a <laughs> Telegram group for the new Adam governance chat. Like, it's... Jacob's been talking about it a lot. I think that I think it's been so focused on that that everything feels quieter. At least that's that's my read on it anyway. I, I think there's a lot of people at Cosmosm and they're all just there, like, you know, talking to each other IRL. So 
What does that mean? Yeah. In real life? <laughs> I know what IRL means. <laughs> no. Of course they all met and they're in real life. Like, do you mean Are like, they still there? Yeah, I it's like, not. you know, there's there's hack wasm going on as well. And after was that, that two weeks ago? Or was that I last think week? That only, I think that ended a couple of days ago. Uh, did it? Oh, was it? Still still quiet. Oh, um, my bad. Yeah, I, well, I didn't hear anything about Adam 2.0. I'm not an Adam validator, so I'll, maybe that's the difference. I, I mean, don't yeah, care the, about Adam. The IBC, uh, the USBC, USDC, geez, how many acronyms? The USDC announcement is pretty cool. Um, I know yep. it's not till Q1 next year. It seems like circles did, driving that a bit, which is kind of Did neat. we not call that just a couple of weeks we ago? Did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We did. Although I think did we call it an ad we didn't call them we didn't call it as in terms of an interchain security No, what what happened was we were talking about bridges and I said they're yeah. shit and that they should just have USDC native. Native. And then And they were they watching this it. and they were like, write that yeah. down. That's right. Write that down. That's brilliant. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. That, that's we want sharp. you, Nell Names. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I mean, think I don't have, think that would have been they, the way that we would have implemented it, but I'm glad it's coming. They could have they could have hit me up, you know, it would have helped them. Yep. Out. Yep. Yeah. They, they didn't, didn't they weren't really weren't thinking about null enough. Everyone not. should be thinking about null more. I mean, I I pick a lot of things that are up and coming and not yet announced, right? I feel like people are just stealing my ideas now. <laughs> Could be. I mean, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> do I? Do we have anything on the list to talk about this week? I mean, we've kind of exhausted um, roundabout. Well, I guess I think I, it's an exhausted I, week. Some things have come out of um, Hackwasm, which are quite interesting. There's the mesh security demo thing, which is kind of interesting. Can you, so I didn't go to Hackwasm and I didn't watch most of the um, Cosmoverse uh, like streams because it was, you know, I was a bit disappointed that I couldn't sit there and watch it with everyone else and then drink beer. So it was, you know, too emotionally damaging for me to sit there and watch all of them. So can you give us like the TLDR on um, the mesh security? It's it's like a, a Wasm solution, right, to, to some sort of securing of things hit me with it i didn't read about it i feel dumb now. well I, I need to know we're supposed to have sunny on in a couple we of weeks right so maybe we can always talk about it then yeah i yeah. asked him to come on and give us like the tldr and just that's what literally that question so let's just i yeah. guess pick it up then <laughs> we, we can't can. yeah. I that's, that's good to say. i'd like to I do want to understand it a little bit better because it seems like it's it's a solution that multiple chains can use, right? Including Juno as a mesh security hub, the way I understand it. But I, again, I don't understand it well enough to understand. I think it's all just. I think it's all just. Yeah, they're all just sovereign areas that you can pull uh, pull your security from. But right. Uh, I think the notion there is more that like you can iterate that solution very very quickly using Cosmosm and IBC, whereas. Um, it's maybe like harder to do that using uh, ICS or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's my my feet. My 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 very dumb understanding of it is it's essentially what some of the things that were proposed as the ideas in in motion for uh, for ICS version two. Yeah. Um, which is yes. like you know pulling arbitrary subsets of validator sets individually or together as 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 you know security layers, which is pretty interesting um but i don't know the complete technical details of it because frankly i've been working like 24 hours a day for the last seven days or 10 days or whatever and it just like watching Co cosmos talks was not 
what I wanted to do in any of the free time that I had. Uh, I just so didn't want to do one, want to do anything else. <laughs> Watch Lord of the Rings. That was good. The Rings of Power. Oh, the Rings of Power is good. Hang on, but on on um, the mesh, right? So they're they're working on that at um, you know Hackwasm or whenever Hackwasm was on, right? And I gather that it is going to be pretty abusive on relays because Max Juno has been asking me for a lot of fucking new Juno X to cover um, relay fees, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So interchange accounts, interchange security is fucking it is insanity. So one of the reasons why interchange accounts didn't come out earlier is because like there wasn't a system involved for like how to actually like do those transfers. So like right now, interchange accounts for every channel and a channel is like between Juno and Osmosis, every mm-hmm. single account needs a new channel and there's no way to facilitate that. So what that means is there's going to be orders of magnitude more transit transactions. Um, I talked with ICF about this quite a while back. I'm like, this it's a, it's a completely untenable solution until there's some way to to pay relayers because even right now that's that's our number one expense is relaying by like a pretty wide margin. Really? Yeah. And so you need to be goes, able to cover those fees. Yeah. Yeah. And so if it goes up 100x, which it would if not more, like there's there's just no way. And yeah, yeah. So that's that's what so inter- that that is definitely a problem that I picked up with the amount of like. Juno they were asking for for relay fees. I'm like, this seems like a lot of fees. Is yeah, you paying sent, for that? <laughs> we sent quite a few from the forces as well, and it was like, okay. Yeah, so for context, <laughs> uh, just adding the connection between Atom and Stride costs us more than a quarter of an Atom per day. So that's only like, you know, right now, $3 or $4. Um, at the start, it was a little over one atom per day, but that's only one connection. Um, going to osmosis, it just kills everything. Like uh, for a while, we were spending something like three thousand secret a month for just the secret osmosis connection. That's crazy. So this is the dirty thing about um, the cosmos that no one really seems to be. Is anyone working on fixing this? Because yeah. it seems mental. Like absolutely, there, there's there's um, there's some middleware being developed such that. Uh, when you use a relayer, then you add a fee on top. Because right now, you know, you pay the fee and people assume that that fee then goes to the relayer, right? The relayer doesn't get any fee, right? That, yeah. that fee that no, you're paying fee. you're relaying, that goes, <laughs> yeah. to a, that goes to the validator set or whatever validator that proposes the block. They don't get, the relayer gets absolutely nothing. Right. Um, it, like they, it, the fee should just be incorporated in um, IBC transfers. It's just, it should be in the module. That's, it should, that's kind of, yeah. That's um, like a bri- the, that's almost like a bridge structure, right? Like where the, where that bridge is that doesn't that is that how they do it in the bridge piece where like that that relayer or whoever's in the bridge kind of portion takes that fee structure. So I, I would assume that even if it was Cosmosm, they would be able to restructure that contract to change the fee structure associated with that. That's yeah, I mean that, that that's that can't grow like that, right? It doesn't make any sense. Yep, yep. No, you're you're absolutely uh, correct. And originally, um, it was actually a design decision to not pay relayers because. That was a huge marketing point for for IBC, right? Mm-hmm. Look how cheap it free. is. You can send from it's free. free. Yeah, you can <laughs> right. send between Atom and Osmosis for nothing. How much does it cost to go between Bitcoin and Ethereum? Fifty dollars or whatever. And so it's a decision to not pay relayers, but that then means that we relayers are paying huge amounts. Yeah. So Rama says that um, in IBC v four pays relay to Nestiv Vepli. Guessing that's negatively. 
I'm, I'm guessing so, that's relays natively. Yeah. That's a upside down Australian. It's early for him, situation. man. He's lucky he yeah. can actually type. Yeah, yeah. It's like Understood. nine o'clock, nine a.m. Yep. Probably that's clawing cool. at coffee right now. Yeah, so we asked Sonia to come on. So we'll, we we just have to schedule it and have him come on and talk a little bit more about at least the mesh security piece because I I think that you know I the current structure of each does every number one does everything need to be a chain question of that is probably no um, but when there are chains do they absolutely need a native um, validator set it probably is answered no um, but ICS I'm not really a big fan of the way it's structured at least for V1 also so, since, I'm not an, since I'm not an atom validator I'm also biased that way but but even even the way it's even structured for atom validators I don't think that set is um, uh, necessarily balanced correctly etc Guys, do you realize that we've been doing this for like half a year now? 31 episodes. I know. 31 episodes. It's like seven months. Wow. And uh, do you know when when it hit me like, you know, we've done a lot of episodes is the other day when you said, yeah, we'll have to get Sonny back on. I was like, yeah. Have we had Sonny on? <laughs> yeah, it was a while I've been ago, on right? every episode, man. I don't remember. Is that long? You yeah, have been so. on every episode. It was on like my, my week off. I had like a week off yeah. in June. No, you're the only you're the only one that's been on every single week. That's 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 something. You're the Pokachu of Game of Nodes. That's insane. That is an achievement. Absolutely. Con- considering yeah. how stretched my fucking schedule is. <laughs> I know. Where do you get time to cut that hair like that? Uh, you know, I've got people. <laughs> I got people. <laughs> come to the house. If we're talking about haircuts, I need to talk about my new haircut because it was one of the worst haircut experiences I've ever had in my life. Tell us. There was a new guy that cut my hair. I'm totally fine with that. I enjoy it. Like, if something goes sideways, I can just shave my head and I don't care. This guy, <laughs> like, he was really serious about his haircut. And he would, like, when he would cut each hair, he would, like, pin his hand down and, like, hold the comb really strictly. And so I'm, like, getting smashed into the side of the chair for every cut. And he had, like, the focused tongue out, like, <laughs> eh, for every single one and so by the end after literally an hour and a half haircut and you know this is basically just a shave my neck was tight i had to get a massage because like i was cranked <laughs> up it was a whole ordeal <laughs> fucking around i don't fuck around with it down there yeah man is that that's, guy, that's on the island oh shulzy yeah, yeah. mate fucking how is the island now after the the hurricane uh, today is day one with power, so I have been congrats for uh, eighteen days without power and water. Jesus. Still don't have water, but I have power. Um, oh, really, water's been, out. You've been fighting with your neighbors over the uh, over the solar, right? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I would talk about that, but they're like eight feet from me, so I'm not gonna talk. <laughs> <laughs> so Either. yes. But I'm not gonna. Schultz, you need to come in from a secret location just to shit talk your neighbors. Well, <laughs> so here, okay, so here's the thing about Puerto Rico that one of the thing, one of the few things that I really don't like is that the houses aren't insulated at all. So, yeah, like, if I right. talk, the people that are like 50 yards over that I can see 50 yards away, they can hear me, and I can hear them. It's all well. This, everything's all. It's either a concrete or like whatever. So there's there's very little absorbing materials, right? This is the same thing like in Mexico yeah. where you. You could be in a house and you could talk on one side of the house and like the other side of the house, you could hear everything because it's all tile and concrete and everything else, right? It all bounces. Is, is this yep. because of like yep. a lack of availability of those types of materials or? Well, I mean, for hurricanes, if you built like a normal uh, studded house, it'll just get knocked right over. 
right? Like that's oh, right. Okay. Florida. So they, they are actually concrete. Yeah. So they're actually concrete. Yeah. And like the windows, they are pretty small panes so mm -hmm. that each one can break because they probably will break and it doesn't cost a lot to replace them. They can just slide it out and slide a new one in. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But that means it's like there's not there's not double pane windows, right? Because you just have the one the one sleeve. Yep. And with that, you also have the windows open most of the time to get that airflow going because most places don't have air conditioning. So you just have fans basically blowing through the house. Right. So earlier you're talking about hearing AC. That was just my fan that was just on high blowing air through the house because otherwise it just becomes a sauna because it's, you know, 80, 90 degrees and 80, 90% humidity. So combine those things and you can hear just everything all the time. Uh, one thing that's cool is Puerto Rico has these frogs called the Koki and they are crazy loud. I love the sound of frogs. I enjoy it. But Cassie, my fiance, every night she's like, wow, Shut they started. The fuck up. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and Shilsey, what is the schedule for you moving back to the States? What address specifically are you moving back to in which in which place? Uh, which state, zip code? That would be really <laughs> useful to know. I think the viewers would be interested to know. Yeah, well yeah, attached no, so, to your fingernails. <laughs> yeah. So we, we are moving back. Uh, we're moving we'll be back on the twenty seventh. But really the big thing was the dogs. In Puerto Rico, there's just like a different uh, a different opinion of dogs there and like how to raise them. And so when we would bring our dogs basically anywhere, people didn't like it because you know, there's wild dogs everywhere. And so they kind of assume that like your dogs are also going to be like kind of feral. Yeah. And so we'd go on a beach and people would get angry at us for having them. Like we'd go for a walk and people would like yell at us for it. And so having two big dogs and it just does, it doesn't mesh, mesh with our lifestyle. Everything else I can deal with fine. But not being able to like let our dogs outside and have want to walk with them, go enjoy beaches with them, that's where it gets to be too much. That's too um, bad. And I, I don't even blame the people at all because I've seen the dogs. You go to a beach and there are, you know, Rincon is where I live is a pretty like it's it's like prime tourist territory in Puerto Rico. This is where all, like, all the surfers go. This is where like the World Surfing Championship in like the '90s was. A lot of surfers here, a lot of tourists. Even on these beaches, you're probably going to see 10 or more dogs on a quarter of a mile stretch of beach. Wild yeah. dogs, that is. Yeah. So it makes sense, but it sucks. So three weeks is when we'll be back in Oregon. Mm. That's uh, So three weeks from now. Yeah, okay. So that sounds very much like, uh, like a Bali vibe with just like wild ass dogs everywhere. And they just, they're on, the same with the cows. No. It's cows just wandering the fucking street. So in Puerto Rico, it's, it's, uh, it's horses. You see horses everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Just chilling. <laughs> just chilling. Just having a great time with it. Well, not all of them. Some are of them they, look are they cool wild amazing. horses? Not wild horses, no. But oh, not they are horses. just roaming about. There, there is actually yeah, a... Sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say, yeah, I, d I definitely like in Bali. I don't know who the fuck owns the cows, but they're everywhere. They just walk around. Just chill. <laughs> walk on the beach. Yeah. Eat some grass. Everyone's like, move on, move on. Yep. That, but that's like, uh, yeah, it's fucking weird. I mean, it's just different. I, I shouldn't say it's weird. It is just different. Uh, what were you going to say, uh, Def Name the Fray? Uh, well, random. In the random fact corner, there are, there's almost fuck all like wild, larger animals in England. We do have wild horses. 
down in the mm-hmm. south west. Have you ever ridden a horse? No, fuck no. But but they're <laughs> one of the reasons they're um they're still wild is because they're relatively small, I think, and so nobody really no point eating them. Not really they're worth like, it. Uh, thing, so nobody domesticated them. <laughs> okay, so they're actually like they're like wild from long ago. It's not that someone just decided. Eh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, so really specifically, um, there aren't all that many like ancient or, or semi-ancient breeds of wild horses left in Europe. And the UK is like infamous for having all of our nature destroyed, completely destroyed by, you know, intensive farming and all sorts of things. And the, the upper class having grouse moors and all this other shit. But one of the weird things that we do actually have is, um, wild horses because they're just like, they're in a poorer part of the country, kind of in a random place by the sea. And they're just sort of there and everyone's like, Oh yeah, just fucking ponies. Aren't they just not, don't worry about those. Like, so, so what? two things. These horses still exist because they've been left alone because they're shit. But I guess the, so, yeah. <laughs> that, what that, the fuck is not it? An academic, I'm not. An, I'm not like an ecologist. That, <laughs> that is my assumption is that they they're not tasty or something. Otherwise, somebody would eat them. You can't eat right? them. Tastes like gravel. Yeah, yeah maybe so, they taste so, shit. I mean, it's like chicken. So, they, they, so somebody is free to clear me up on why those have not been eaten. I just assume they don't taste very good. I would assume for so. for a group of people who are decidedly not English, what the fuck is a grouse moor? Oh yeah, I guess you guys probably don't have that. So, the majority of the country, or at least large part of the country, is owned by the upper classes, right? That's like a thing. Um, and back in the day, they kept deer parks, right, to go hunt deer. Uh, and actually, to be fair, they still own a lot of deer parks. That's still a thing. Big, big, big amount of land used for that. Um, deer also non-native eat oak trees, loads of stuff like that. Very, very bad for the environment. Well, in large numbers, very bad for. Ooh, I didn't know that they weren't native. Uh, nope, deer. I'm pretty certain. Well, there's several types of deer, so I think we do have native deer, but there are also non-native deer. But also, deer need an apex predator to control them. Okay. But that's so that's we're talking about like white tail, white tail deer or something. Then, uh, which I, okay, whoever is an expert in the chat on on the ecosystem of the British Isles, you tell me which one is the native one, which one is the non-native. I feel like I want to say roe deer is the native one. I'm probably wrong about that, and we'll find out when somebody corrects me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> there you go, new forest pony. See somebody else, somebody else is aware of the pony situation. I'm um, like, how? I'm, I'm, I was almost certain there would be none of our eight viewers that would know about what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> fucking everyone knows about ponies. Anyway, so grouse moors, <laughs> grouse moors, really specifically, you get a patch of high land, right? And instead of doing anything, well, instead of leaving it as a as a moor, like which is like a <laughs> Fuck! What is a moor? A moor is like a. I, a hill? I love that. Every, I, I almost every, regret asking now. Like, I love that every like British definition is made up of other terms that you also have to describe. It's like an infinite tree of. Oh, oh! What, I, I what's a moor? Well, a moor is a bunch of these hedges. Oh, fuck! What's a hedge? All right, a hedge is this because you know a hedge is different is, there. Right? You know what heather is or heath? No. No. Like ledger. Heather or heath, <laughs> like heathland or heather. Like no. heath ledger. <laughs> yeah Heath Heather um, no so, so, what, so it's, it's like high upland areas with like low scrub what's you upland? know what scrub is like scrub vegetation 
Um, yeah, yeah, okay. How, how far and, down and the Merkel tree are you we? Get, you what, get a what? lot of this in New Zealand, places like that. Anyway, the point is that trees grow out of that. Normally. What's New Zealand? You end up with tree cover, right? Yes. Uh, the rest of Europe, you would end up with tree cover. But you uh, essentially, you put sheep on it or you leave deer on it and it gets eaten down and it stays as, he- as, as heathland. Okay. And that is all the better for shooting grouse with. And also, specifically, okay. the land is kept um, with low vegetation so that you can shoot these birds called grouse right yes which incidentally are non-native and they're released into the countryside in huge numbers such that i think i think at the point where they get released for the grouse hunting season the biomass weight of grouse in the uk is like the highest of any bird like all <laughs> birds together it's just it's just grouse just where, for rich people to shoot where do they and, pull those in from like where do they import Fun that? Fact, <laughs> there is a whiskey called the golden try, grouse the best bit right is they're not very good shots so a lot of them get away and they just basically go and wreak general kind of havoc and then die because they're just like loose in winter in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, and and the, and the best bit, the best, the, the icing on the cake of all this, right, is that we have loads of flooding problems in these river valleys and those sorts of areas. And ev- nobody could work out why, right, until essentially modern ecological science. And they were like, oh, yeah, we've, we've traced the water table. And basically what is happening is the water's raining on that hill five miles away. Uh-huh. And that hill should have trees on it, like naturally would do it. It would have large, potentially large animals on it, like in a state of nature yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Okay. There would be fucking beavers probably in that river. Anyway. Oh, fuck. Because you keep the ground for the rich people. <laughs> oh, shoot, you, okay. You, your house is now flooded. Wait, <laughs> wait, you paused there for a second. That was the best part of the story. It seemed like a critical second as well. <laughs> it really did. Go back to the beaver. Go back to the beaver because- I was I was pulled in. Go back to the right, beaver. So, so, so for whatever reason, basically, you remove all those animals and you instead just say, oh, this land is only for grouse sh- shooting. It basically, okay. because of the way the water table works, all the water just basically rolls off the grouse more and floods the town below. So the log, the, there's like, why does why do we always get flooded? The answer is the rich people are shooting grouse on top of that hill five miles away. That turned out to be the reason. And uh, But yeah, they're rich, so they still get to do it. And there are a bunch of towns like Hebden Bridge in... Uh, west yorkshire yeah. you just get flooded all the fucking time and the residents are just like why is our town Fuck, underwater? man that was like was that 20 minutes uh, <laughs> too long. correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's also why the the new king of england didn't have an inheritance tax right is that was why that was probably <laughs> it's all about passing down wealth and land with that law isn't it like fun fact all of the uh all of the queen coins are going up in value Really? You got two dollars with a queen on it, and it's a wait, special wait, wait. edition. You're, are, they, you're are they worth more than two dollars now? Has it has money? Yeah, it's like some, all money's some broken. Some like five hundred bucks for some fucking two dollar coins and shit. Does Australia no longer have the queen on its money? Because I don't I think Canada does. Well, right? it changes over now to the king, right? So all the queen coins oh. are like oh, they got re they got to remint money. all that shit. That's a yeah, lot. Well, it is, that's a lot. Maybe yeah, like, something nobody likes, isn't it? They should just skip Charles and just, <laughs> just print it with William on there and just skip a skip a generation, right? They should put the keynotes logo on there. <laughs> just skip Charles. Charles, we're gonna skip. Hey, we're, so we're I have some money. news, guys. Oh, let's talk. Clap. Yeah. I am coming to the US of A. Really? Where to? Yeah. To Schultz's oh, address, which is <laughs> Just, I'm generally going to the US of A. Going to go to East Denver and then like flail for a month. So I'm, I'm oh, kind of asking. Are you going to go see couches to sleep on? 
So you're going to go say hi to Blockpain? Is that what that is? Yeah, well, I'll go see like Blockpain and Artifact and some other fellas. And then are you really going to any other? Are you going to East Denver? Yeah. All right. I'll go to East Denver. Oh, perfect. I'm going to East Denver. Let's back. He'll be back somewhere in the United States, not doxing him. So maybe we might have a. Which means only the fray. Not committing to East Denver. I'm not going to East Denver. <laughs> Damn. I I don't. I'm not even like you know. I thought. Come I thought on. we were friends. I have. Yeah. Maybe. No, maybe. I, well, I don't. I don't really do um, long distance, long haul anymore. Like for environmental reasons, if I can avoid it. Like maybe I can jump on the train and just whip over for like the afternoon for a bit. <laughs> Well, I hear there's I hear there's gonna be big. There's a couple of big com, um, cosmos things next year in Europe, so I'll go to them and see people. Is um, it, how far is it between the states and like it's just over the pond, right? Maybe we could. Uh, you can, 4, can you get there miles, on the train? Something like that. It's yeah, it sounds like a train. I think yeah. it's a bit. Um, it's a bit. That's the thing. Once you no. get a train under the sea, you get complacent about flying. You're just like, well, I can just get the train under the sea to all the. Maybe we can meet in like uh, Europe somewhere, Germany. We'll. Picket Hetzner or something. Well, did, you, did I send you the video about going to the Hetzner, Hetzner. Hetzner? It looks quite cool, actually. But I don't think Hetzner. they just let you go in. They, they, they don't do that. That's not a thing you do. <laughs> That'd be great. Hey, I want to we can, uh, can I unplug this cable? What will happen? I want to see my validator. We can yeah, pick it exactly. for uh, validate. Like, POS. Validate. <laughs> we, we can pick it for POS equality. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's important that some nodes run in Hetzner, which is, you know, luckily that all None of King nodes. <laughs> None of us either. So, and Cosmos versus, they haven't announced anything related to Cosmos versus next year, right? That might, probably a couple of months away from that being talked about, but. Since no, it's just I guess, ended. well, I guess this year there was, so there was, Cosmoverse was in Lisbon, and then there was. Um, Medellin. Medellin this Look, year. I'm, I'm calling it now. The next one is going to be in Asia, for sure. It'll be in it's going to be South Korea. I, I would bet yeah. money on it being in South Korea, yeah, like a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Money. We'll see about that. Like, I don't know. And Korea is really fucking close for me. So, what's that? Only twelve hours on the plate. Sim- yeah, about. 